Part two of a journal of impressions in Belgium by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two. Whatever happens, whatever we see and suffer, nothing can take from us that run from Ostend to Ghent. We go along a straight, flat highway of grey stones, through flat green fields and between thin lines of trees tall and slender and delicate trees there are no hedges only here and there a row of poplars or pollard willows is flung out as a screen against the open sky this country is formed for the very expression of peace the straight flat roads the straight flat fields and straight tall trees stand still in an immense quiet and serenity we pass low flemish houses with white walls and red roofs their green doors and shutters are tall and slender like the trees the colours vivid as if the paint had been laid on yesterday it is all unspeakably beautiful and it comes to me with the natural inevitable shock and ecstasy of beauty i am going straight into the horror of war for all i know it may be anywhere here behind this sentry or there beyond that line of willows i don't know i don't care i cannot realise it all that I can see or feel at the moment is this beauty. I look and look so that I may remember it. Is it possible that I am enjoying myself? I dare not tell Mrs. Torrance. I dare not tell any of the others. They seem to me inspired with an austere sense of duty, a terrible integrity. They know what they are here for. To me it is incredible that I should be here. I am in car one, sitting beside Tom, the chauffeur mrs torrance is on the other side of me tom disapproves of these flemish roads he cannot see that they are beautiful they will play the devil with his tires i am reminded unpleasantly that our daimler is not a touring car but a motor ambulance and that these roads will jolt the wounded most abominably there are straggling troops on the road now at the nearest village all the inhabitants turn out to cheer us they cry out les anglais and shout for joy Perhaps they think that if the British Red Cross has come, the British Army can't be far behind. But when they hear that we are Belgian Red Cross, they are gladder than ever. They press round us. It is wonderful to them that we should have come all the way from England for the Belgians. Somehow the beauty of the landscape dies before these crowding, pressing faces. We pass through Bruges without seeing it. I have no recollection whatever of having seen the Belfry. We see nothing but the canal where we halt to take in petrol and more villages more faces and more troops halfway between bruges and ghent an embankment thrown up on each side of the road tells of possible patrols and casual shooting it is the first visible intimation that the enemy may be anywhere a curious excitement comes to you i suppose it is excitement though it doesn't feel like it you have been drunk very slightly drunk with the speed of the car but now you are sober your heart beats quietly steadily but with a little creeping mounting thrill in the beat the sensation is distinctly pleasurable you say to yourself it is coming now or the next minute perhaps at the end of the road you have one moment of regret after all it would be a pity if it came too soon before we'd even begun our job but the thrill mounting steadily overtakes the regret it is only a little thrill so far for you don't really believe that there is any danger but you can imagine the thing growing growing steadily till it becomes ecstasy not that you imagine anything at the moment 
at the moment you are no longer an observing reflecting being you have ceased to be aware of yourself you exist only in that quiet steady thrill that is so unlike any excitement that you have ever known presently you get used to it what a fool i should have been if i hadn't come i wouldn't have missed this run for the world i forget myself so far as to say this to mrs torrance my voice doesn't sound at all like the stern voice of duty it is the voice of somebody enjoying herself i am behaving exactly as i behaved this morning at ostend and cannot possibly hope for any sympathy from mrs torrance but mrs torrance has unbent a little she has in fact been unbending gradually ever since we left ostend there is a softer light in her beautiful eyes for she is not only a trained nurse but an expert motorist and a daimler is a daimler even when it's an ambulance car from time to time remarks of a severely technical nature are exchanged between her and tom still up till now nothing has passed to indicate any flagging in the relentless spirit of the blank hospital the next minute i hear that the desire of mrs torrance's heart is to get into the greatest possible danger and to get out of it the greatest possible danger is to fall into the hands of the uhlans i feel that i should be very glad indeed to get out of it but that i'm not by any means so keen on getting in i say so i confess frankly that i'm afraid of uhlans particularly when they're drunk but mrs torrance is not afraid of anything there is no german living drunk or sober who could break her spirit nothing dims for her that shining vision of the greatest possible danger she does not know what fear is i conceive an adoration for mrs torrance and a corresponding distaste for myself for i do know what fear is and in spite of the little steadily mounting thrill i remember distinctly those five weeks of frightful anticipation when i knew that i must go out to the war the going to bed night after night drugged with horror black horror that creeps like poison through your nerves the falling asleep and forgetting it the waking morning after morning with an energetic and lucid brain that throws out a dozen war pictures to the minute like a ghastly cinema show till horror becomes terror the hunger for breakfast the queer almost uncanny revival of courage that follows its satisfaction the driving will that strengthens as the day goes on and slackens its hold at evening i remember one evening very near the end the sunday evening when the commandant dropped in after he had come back from belgium we were stirring soup over the gas stove in the scullery you couldn't imagine a more peaceful scene when he said they are bringing up the heavy siege guns from namur and there is going to be a terrific bombardment of antwerp and i think it will be very interesting for you to see it i remember replying with passionate sincerity that i would rather die than see it that if i could nurse the wounded i would face any bombardment you please to name but to go and look on and make copy out of the sufferings i cannot help i couldn't and i wouldn't and that was flat and i wasn't a journalist any more than i was a trained nurse i can still see the form of the commandant rising up on the other side of the scullery stove and in his pained uncomprehending gaze and in the words he utters i imagine a challenge it is as if he said of course if you're afraid haven't i told him that i am afraid the gauge is thrown down on the scullery floor i pick it up and that is why i am here on this singular adventure thus for the next three kilometres i meditate on my cowardice it is all over as if it had never been but how can i tell that it won't come back again 
i can only hope that when the uhlans appear i shall behave decently and this place that we have come to is eklu we are not very far from ghent a church spire a few roofs rising above trees then many roofs altogether then the beautiful grey-white foreign city as we run through the streets we are followed by cyclists cyclists issue from every side street and pour into our road cyclists rise up out of the ground to follow us we don't realize all at once that it is the ambulance they are following bowing low like racers over their handlebars they shoot past us they slacken pace and keep alongside they shoot ahead the cyclists are most fearfully excited it dawns on us that they are escorting us that they are racing each other that they are bringing the news of our arrival to the town they behave as if we were the vanguard of the british army we pass the old military hospital hôpital militaire number one and presently arrive at the flandria palace hotel which is hôpital militaire number two the cyclists wheel off scatter and disappear the crowd in the place gathers round the porch of the hotel to look at the english ambulance we enter we are received by various officials and presented to madame f the head of the red cross nursing staff there is some confusion and mrs torrance finds herself introduced as the secretary of the english committee successfully concealed behind the broadest back in the corps which belongs to mr grierson i have time to realize how funny we all are everybody in the hospital is in uniform of course the nurses of the belgian red cross wear white linen overalls with a brassard on one sleeve and the red cross on the breasts of their overalls and over their foreheads on the front of their white linen veils the men wear military or semi-military uniforms we had never agreed as to our uniform and some of us had had no time to get it if we had agreed assembled in the vestibule we look more like a party of refugees or the cast of a berry play than a field ambulance corps mr grierson the chaplain alone wears complete khaki in which he is indistinguishable from any tommy the commandant obeying some mysterious inspiration has left his khaki suit behind he wears a norfolk jacket and one of his hats mr foster in plain clothes with a satchel slung over his shoulders has the air of an inquiring tourist mrs torrance and janet mcneil in short khaki tunics khaki puttees and round jaeger caps and very thick coats over all strapped in with leather belts look as if they were about to sail on an arctic expedition i was told to wear dark blue serge and i wear it accordingly ursula dearmer and mrs lambert are in normal clothes but the amiable officials and the angelic belgian ladies behave as if there was nothing in the least odd about our appearance they remember only that we are english and that it is now six o'clock and that we have had no tea they conceive this to be the most deplorable fate that can overtake the english and they hurry us into the great kitchen to a round table loaded with cake and bread and butter and enormous bowls of tea the angelic beings in white veils wait on us we are hungry and we think a pardonable error that this meal is hospital supper after which some work will surely be found for us to do we are shown to our quarters on the third floor we expect two bare dormitories with rows of hard beds which we are prepared to make ourselves besides sweeping the dormitories and we find a fine suite of rooms a mess-room bedrooms dressing-rooms bathrooms and hospital orderlies for our valets de chambre we unpack sit round the mess-room and wait for orders perhaps we may all be sent down into the kitchen to wash up 
personally i hope we shall be for washing up is a thing i can do both quickly and well it is now seven o'clock at half past we are sent down into the kitchen not to wash up but if you will believe it to dine and more hospital orderlies wait on us at dinner the desire of our hearts is to do something if it is only to black the boots of the angelic beings but no there is nothing for us to do to-morrow perhaps the doctors and stretcher-bearers will be busy we hear that only five wounded have been brought into the hospital to-day they have no ambulance cars and ours will be badly needed to-morrow but to-night no we go into the town to the hotel de la poste and sit outside the cafe and drink black coffee in despair we find our chauffeurs doing the same thing then we go back to our sumptuous hotel and so dejectedly to bed aeroplanes hover above us all night sunday twenty seventh we hang about waiting for orders they may come at any moment meanwhile this place grows incredible and fantastic now it is an hotel and now it is a military hospital its two aspects shift and merge into each other with a dreamlike effect it is a huge building of extravagant design wearing its turrets its balconies its very roofs like so much decoration the gilded legend flandria palace hotel glitters across the immense white facade but the red cross flag flies from the front and from the corners of the turrets and from the balconies of the long flank facing south you arrive under a fan-like porch that covers the smooth slope of the approach you enter your hotel through mahogany revolving doors a colossal flora stands by the lift at the foot of the big staircase unaware that this is no festival of flowers the poor stupid thing leans forward smiling and holds out her garland to the wounded as they are carried past nobody takes any notice of her the great hall of the hotel has been stripped bare all draperies and ornaments have disappeared the proprietor has disappeared or goes about disguised as a red cross officer the grey mosaic of floors and stairs is cleared of rugs and carpeting the reading-room is now a secretarial bureau the billiard-room is an operating theatre the great dining-hall and the reception-rooms and the bedrooms are wards the army of waiters and valets and chambermaids has gone and everywhere there are surgeons ambulance men hospital orderlies and the belgian nurses with their white overalls and red crosses and in every corridor and on every staircase and in every room there is a mixed odour bitter and sweet and penetrating of antiseptics and of ether when the ambulance cars come up from the railway stations and the battlefields the last inappropriate detail the mahogany revolving doors will disappear so that the wounded may be carried through on their stretchers i confess to a slight persistent fear of seeing these wounded whom i cannot help it is not very active it has left off visualizing the horror of bloody bandages and mangled bodies but it's there it waits for me in every corridor and at the turn of every stair and it makes me loathe myself we have news this morning of a battle at alos a town about fifteen kilometres southeast of ghent the belgians are moving forty thousand men from antwerp towards ghent and heavy fighting is expected near the town if we are not in the thick of it we are on the edge of the thick they have just told us an awful thing two wounded men were left lying out on the battlefield all night after yesterday's fighting the military ambulances did not fetch them 
our ambulance was not sent out there are all sorts of formalities to be observed before it can go we haven't got our military passes yet and our english red cross brassards are no use we must have belgian ones stamped with the government stamp and these things take time meanwhile we who have still the appearance of a disorganized cook's tourist party are beginning to realize each other the first step to realizing ourselves we have come from heaven knows where to live together here heaven knows for how long the commandant and i are friends mrs torrance and janet mcneil are friends dr haynes and dr bird are evidently friends our chauffeurs bert and tom are bound to fraternize professionally we and they are all right but these pairs were only known to each other a week or two ago and some of the thirteen never met at all till yesterday an unknown fourteenth is coming to-day we are five women and nine men you might wonder how for all social purposes we are to sort ourselves but the idea sternly emphasized by mrs torrance is that we have no social purposes we are neither more nor less than a strictly official and absolutely impersonal body held together not by the ordinary affinities of men and women but by a common devotion and a common aim differences if any should exist will be sunk in the interest of the community probabilities that rule all human intercourse as we have hitherto known it will be temporarily suspended in our case but we shall gain more than we lose insignificant as individuals as a corps we share the honour and prestige of the military authority under which we work we have visions of a relentless discipline commanding and controlling us a cold glory hovers over the commandant as the vehicle of this transcendent power when the power has its way with us it will take no count of friendships or affinities it will set precedence at naught it will say to itself here are two field ambulance cars and fourteen people five out of these fourteen are women and what the devil are they doing in a field ambulance and it will appoint two surgeons who will also serve as stretcher-bearers to each car it will set our trained nurse mrs torrance in command of the untrained nurses in one of the wards of the military hospital number two the hospital itself will find suitable feminine tasks for ursula dearmer and mrs lambert while janet mcneil and the secretary will be told off to work among the refugees and until more stretcher-bearers are wanted the rest of us will be nowhere if nothing can be found for our women in the hospital they will be sent home it seems inconceivable that the power if it is anything like lord kitchener can decide otherwise odd how the war changes us i who abhor and resist authority who hardly know how i am to bring myself to obey my friend the commandant am enamoured of this power and utterly submissive i realize with something like a thrill that we are in a military hospital under military orders and that my irrelevant former self with all that it has desired or done must henceforth cease perhaps irrevocably to exist i contemplate its extinction with equanimity i remember that one of my brothers was a captain in the gunners that another of them fought as a volunteer in the first boer war that my uncle captain hind of the bengal fusiliers fought in the mutiny and in the crimean war and his son at chitral and that i have one nephew in kitchener's army and one in the west lancashire hussars and that three generations of solid sugar planters and shipowners cannot separate me from my forefathers who seem to have been fighting all the time 
At the moment I have forgotten my five weeks' blue funk. Mrs. Torrance's desire for discipline is not more sincere than mine. Meanwhile, the hand that is to lick us into shape hovers over us and does not fall. We wait expectantly in the mess-room which is to contain us. End of Part 2 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine